welcome to the Geek and Review Podcast. I'm Jeremy Pappas, alongside the only man who is compatible with the standard USB, Mr. Russell Jones. Russell. USB compatibility is an important thing, kids. And we're not even going to talk about where he actually fits in with the USB uh, because this is a family podcast. Russell, how we doing? And because and because HIPAA has been passed. So. <laughs> Russell, how we doing? We are doing quite well. Actually, had um, quite another another good week for video games. Uh, I I'm currently reviewing Crater, which is by a Swedish Norwegian um, company, Fat Shark. I re- previewed Crater a while back. It's a post-apocalyptic game, kind of Fallout-ish, but um, it's also a, a kind of a top-down, like Diablo, uh, run around, hack and slash. But you're controlling a squad of three guys, hmm. each of whom have two abilities, as opposed to you know one hero that's got a bunch of abilities. Right. Kind of like the preview. Uh, I was kind of like top-down Ghost Recon. Yeah, the preview I was not too thrilled about at all. So I was not looking forward to this. But having actually you know looked at the full polished game, it's surprisingly you know decent looking, and I'm I'm bouncing along, and it's not that bad. I am also having just got it last night reviewing Quantum Conundrum by um, Portal People, so it's quite good. Um, I've already solved quite a few puzzles, about twenty three percent through the game, and so. that's essentially uh, same sort of game as Portal. Just instead of thinking with portals, it's more sort of general strategy, general physics puzzles. Right. Uh, the physics. The two things that I've come into. You get a gauntlet where you can make everything you know really light uh-huh. or everything really heavy. There's been a lot of you know bouncing around and timing jumps that kind of right. thing. I had a really really fun room with that was um, you had these three balls that were power cores and you had to get them inside three large canisters and um, the guy who's playing your uncle who is you know the mad scientist that built this mansion you're trapped in. He's voiced by the same actor that did Q for Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Really, really great voice. Mm. And he mentioned, you know, I used to play on the basketball team. So you have to shoot these things into the big canisters right. and you have to figure out how to, you know, do that. It was actually a really, really fun puzzle so far. So I am looking forward to completing the rest of it. Fascinating. Okay. Well, um, dude, we got to talk about Surface. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the biggest news to come out of last week as far as. We're concerned. We are going to get to uh, several trailers that were released, uh, primarily for the summer movie season in order of awesomeness. Taken 2, Dread, and Dungeons & Dragons Book of Vile Darkness. However, we have to start with Surface, because if you haven't seen the Microsoft Surface video that the the Surface video that they released, (laughs) it is sheer insanity first of all you look at it and the first thing that pops into your mind while watching the sand blowing around and the you're listening to industrial music it sounds like something you'd see on on a really like deep german hardcore porn film is that it looks like microsoft has reinvented the laptop and i don't mean that in a good way i don't mean like (laughs) they've re like 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 They've improved the laptop and it's become something brand new. I mean, they've they've essentially it's like if you tried to reinvent watermelon, <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. a watermelon. You mean like that's always easy. Uh, the the video, the unintentional comedy in this video is ridiculous. Take a minute, watch the surface video, and be prepared to laugh your ass off. <laughs> I really wish we could actually go back in time because Jeremy watched the video for the first time before we started recording, and I wish we had been recording at that point because it was his reaction was it's hilarious. insane. You're watching it, and at one point, the they show the back of it because they're they're moving this thing around, and what it essentially looks like is a laptop, but you can take the keyboard off, and the keyboard is like one of those floppy, uh, stain resistant keyboards that weird people have. Um, but it, yeah, the the reviews for this have been. Um, the keyboard may be some of the most interesting tech about the whole thing was because it's actually um, it's actually solid enough that it acts as a cover for the surface, which is a tap. Right. And it's there are two versions of the keyboard, depending on if you get one, you know, the, the cheaper version, the I think Windows RT version or if you get the 
Pro Windows 8 version, which has, I think, the better keyboard. Uh-huh. On it. But uh, you know, it acts as a, as a hard cover for it. And from what some of the reviewers were, look like, were saying, it actually makes the thing look and feel a bit like a book. Um, my first reaction whenever I saw this was that the whole thing, as compared to the iPad, because that's, that's right. what it's Whenever for, you're comparing any sort of tablet, it's especially one that's coming directly from Microsoft and, and is going to be the – it's going to be the Windows tablet, you're going to compare it to the iPad. Right. As compared to the iPad, it looks at first glance blockier, thicker, heavier. I mean, it, it's definitely wider for one thing uh-huh. in terms of screen size. There's a lot more real estate on the screen. It's like the difference between – it's like the first time that you got a widescreen HD monitor for your computer. You know, you know, you have so much more space on this thing than I did before. Right. You know, my wife actually just bought – another uh, a monitor for the pc that i gave her and it's wider than mine and i'm i have monitor envy now (laughs) and you can tell you know there's a lot more room on this thing and you can look at this you know that there's a lot more space on this um on this tablet it's like it's probably gonna look really nice playing back movies you know sitting sideways with its little kickstand kicked out Uh, but the the laugh the 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 the, the moment that I discovered that this video was going to be something I will remember and show other people is it shows – because it's moving – the tablet is moving itself around, which I'm going to assume is something they just did for the video and it's not actually a feature. Otherwise, I would totally buy it because it defies physics. But the thing moves around and the entire time it's got this really heavy industrial music playing. And at one point it stands straight up and it – zooms into a close-up of the bottom of the tablet and this little kickstand kicks out and it has this music cue that's literally like they just showed you the face of God. And it is the funniest... It's the funniest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, the video... and I love the marketing behind this because the only thing that they've really produced to show you anything about the surface is this video. You go to YouTube... It's it's so polished. You can watch the damn thing in 3D for all four of you that have 3D computer monitors. You can watch this yep. damn thing in 3D. It's a little over a minute long. It probably cost them 30 grand just based on the setup and all of the 3D work they've done with it. And it tells you nothing. I mean, it tells you nothing about the product. It, it nope. in fact it doesn't even show something on the screen, like physically within the screen being displayed by the actual screen until the mm-hmm. very end. It's all showing you, because it, it essentially looks like a laptop, like a really super thin laptop with a really thin keyboard. And, you know, it folds and moves and flips over. And they have these these points that they want to really emphasize. And one is the little kickstand. And then they start changing the color of the keyboard as if that's, you know, if 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 the little kickstand is looking into the face of God, yeah. changing the color of the keyboard is like the invention of the printing press. I mean, it's like a historic moment for Microsoft that you can have your standard black keyboard or it can become fuchsia or green or blue it's yeah. it's a dawning of a new age of what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of, you know, the way that it's being marketed and because there was a lot of secrecy that led up to this event. So they didn't even tell reporters uh, where they were going to hold the event until the day of and like a few hours before. Right. It's just it's just weird the way that they did this. And it's also very Apple-like. You know, there were lots of comments because there was nothing else to talk about the event leading up to this where, oh, Microsoft is borrowing a page from Apple's playbook, you know, trying to play, trying to have as much mystery surrounding the, the announcements as possible. Right. Um, whereas, you know, Microsoft revealing a tablet was arguably one of the worst kept secrets in, you know, history. I know at least four or five people on Twitter essentially had boiled it down to – Microsoft is going to talk about their new tablet. They're having a press they're having a, a news conference about their new tablet. And everyone was going expecting a news conference about their new tablet. The problem that Microsoft ran into here is their news conference was about their new tablet. There was nothing yeah. there was nothing that anyone didn't expect, nor was it really flashy enough to blow anybody away. It doesn't look 
mod for a tablet. The only, arguably, the only thing that's interesting is the keyboard that that magnetizes to the back of the thing, and even that's not that interesting because it makes it look like a laptop. I mean, yeah. But that again, that is one of the biggest arguments that people have against tablets as they are right now, or most people who don't buy a tablet. It's like, you know, I just I, I want a keyboard and mouse, right. or they they buy keyboard and mouse tablets, but they're like, this I'm just going to have a laptop, right. and that may be. You know, the way that the tech market is moving and the way that I think consumers are moving is the laptop is becoming a niche market. You're not going to have the people that buy laptops consumer-wise, you know, by by and large, are buying them to carry around, to do browsing on, to do, you know, to do things like watching Netflix on or to carry around the house. That's what the lap that's what the tablet is replacing. Now you have basically with this a large amount of the reasons why people didn't buy the tablet because you know, they hated the keyboard or they didn't have a way to accurately remove the mouse or something something like that. Those haters now have something that they can look at and go, oh, I can it has a little trackpad on it. I can type on it. You know, some of the some people said it's it's almost a touch keyboard, so it's a really weird thing to try to get used to. So I don't know. I just feel like that it's with this and the iPad the laptop market in general is going to start looking very, very, very See, old. I'm completely, completely 100% opposite of what you're talking, of what you're saying. I don't mm -hmm. think I could disagree more. Why would mm -hmm. anyone buy the Microsoft Surface when they could buy a relatively the same size laptop? I mean, it's, this thing is not, you know, itty bitty. It's not tiny. Well, it's the same size as an iPad. I mean, the, I, I checked the dimensions. They're about the same as the iPad. Too. Right. But so, that's not the, much smaller than a small, a rather small laptop. That's not much smaller than like a MacBook Pro, which is one of the, you know, more popular laptops. So it doesn't, it, it makes no sense to me why they would, what is this supposed to do that's different than what we already have? What is the, okay, you get the keyboard attachment, right? Do you ever take the keyboard attachment off? If not, mm -hmm. then why don't you just own a laptop? This has been, you know, when people ask me, what do you think about the Surface? What do you think about this whole thing? I said, Microsoft has to answer the question that Apple posed with the iPad. Now, Apple put out the iPad originally, and we said, okay, it's neat. What do we do with it? And over time, that has slowly started to evolve and coalesce into something, but it's not, it's still, like you said, you could also have a laptop. Right. The so iPad, now... I think the selling point of the iPad is, A, it's an Apple product, which I would say is yeah. probably 65% of the selling point, if not more so. People are going to buy it because right. it's Apple. Apple yeah. has done something that no other, with possibly the exception of hardcore Linux geeks, that no other tech firm has been able to do, which is essentially make their products not the technology they're working with necessarily, not even the actual item they're putting out in the same way that an, that an iPad is a tablet. People don't buy iPads because they want to buy a tablet. People buy iPads because they want to buy an iPad. They're buying it for the Apple on the back of it. They're buying it because it's Apple. It's the same with the iPod. It's the same with the iPhone. It's the same with the iEverything. They're, Apple has created a demand for their specific product, not for the general product. It's like when the computer was invented, it, you know, no other company has ever invented a market so niche and so specific as to only include their products. Apple figured out a way to do that. I don't know how. I assume it involves selling your soul to some dark deity, but they've come up with a way of making people only want to buy Apple products because of what it is. The problem that Microsoft is falling into is a, they're not going to take people away from Apple because it doesn't matter what they do with their surface. As long as it doesn't have an Apple on the back of it, those people are not going to come over because they're not people who give a shit about tech. They don't care mm -hmm. about computing power. They don't care about how big the screen is. They don't care. The only thing they care about is that it is an Apple product. That's it. Otherwise, there are far better things out there for you to either far better 
or comparable products out there that don't require you to spend the kind of money it takes to get Apple. Apple is a luxury item. Apple is a status symbol. Microsoft is not taking that away by creating a new shiny toy. Now they've essentially tried to fill a hole in a market that doesn't exist and has no hole. There's no midpoint between a tablet and a laptop. There isn't one. It's either a tablet or a laptop. There's no, I mean, you don't, how could you possibly use the Surface and it's easier to use than a laptop? It's not going to be. You still need you still need to be able to set it up on a desk or a Surface of some description. Put your Surface on a Surface. You still need yeah. to put it there. I mean, there's no hole to fill. They're trying to make it sexy. They're trying to follow in Apple's footsteps and create that mystique, that status symbol of owning a Microsoft Surface. The problem is it's not going to happen because Apple's already done it. That's the thing. It's got to be a, you know, what do I use it for? Uh, the only other thing that, you know, the other thing that has been brought up is that Microsoft has already at least once entered a very competitive hardware market and, you know, managed to make forays and join it and actually, you know, do well. And that was with the Xbox. There was no mention of anything to do gaming wise or any kind of interactivity mm. with Xbox brands, anything at all. I mean, they talked about gaming, but they didn't, you know, they showed off smart glass at E3, and this seemed like the perfect kind of thing to show off more about smart glass, and it just wasn't. Right. It was just, you know, here's Surface, 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 Surface. You know, ooh, it's got a keyboard. So <laughs> that was that's essentially the entire video. The entire video is, ooh, Surface has a little stand. Ooh, it has a keyboard. It changes colors. Microsoft, Surface, yeah. chisel striking rock. <laughs> yeah. So the there are still also lots of questions about this. For instance, no mention of battery life for the more hardcore techies out there who want to compare and contrast. Right. Also, no, yeah. Also, no mention of price. They don't know. They have not said how much this is going to cost either the RT the problem is or they the can't eight give version. You, like I said before, they're trying to create that Apple mystique. They're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. They can't put any numbers in front of you. They can't put any information in front of you. Because that tears the curtain down and you start actually looking at this is okay. I'm we're going to do a little play. Are you ready, Russell? This is what Microsoft mm -hmm. hoped we would do when we watched the press conference and then watched the video for surface. They, they hoped we would have gone. Wow. It's wow. Oh, it's uh, wow. I have to buy it. I have to have it. And I have to go show all my friends that I have it. That's what they hoped we would do. They didn't. They don't want you to ask questions about it, because the question. Here's what it's going to be. It's going to be an iPad. Any questions? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's go pull up the go pull up the specs for the iPad. Throw it onto the uh, throw it onto the website for Surface, and you've got what you've got. Microsoft is creating an iPad that does not have the Apple logo on it, and is going to try and sell it in the same way that that Apple sells the iPad. The problem is Microsoft is not Apple. I'm not saying Apple's a better company than Microsoft. I'm saying Apple has something that Microsoft doesn't have, and that's that it's Apple. <laughs> Whatever they create yeah. is gonna is gonna be awesome for that group of people. They've cap. It's like the it's like how the Wii captured casual gaming market, and the Wii flourished and hasn't since died. They've captured the people like your mom and your grandma and the people who don't give a fuck about tech. They do give a fuck about having an eye, whatever they've captured. Mm -hmm. they, it's not for us. It's not for me. It's not for Russell. It's for my friend, Amanda who has eye everything and doesn't really know anything about, she's not tech, you know, savvy more so than anybody else. You know, she's not looking at product reviews or specs or anything like that. She has I everything because it's I, you know, it's, it's designer technology is what Apple has created. It's the same shit. You know, it's the difference between a Dolce and Gabbana, uh, between Dolce and Gabbana sunglasses and $13 sunglasses you buy at Sunglass Hut in the mall. Dolce and Gabbana sunglasses cost $500. They protect your eyes the exact same way that the $13 Sunglass Hut sunglasses protect your eyes, but they have Dolce and Gabbana on them, and people buy Dolce and Gabbana because it has a Dolce and Gabbana on it. It's yep. the same thing with, with Apple. This is going to fail miserably. 
because it's an iPad and it doesn't have an Apple logo on it. And I would argue 75% of the reason people buy an iPad is because it has an Apple logo on it. So you think this is going to go the way of the Zune? I think it's going to go the way of the Zune and Bing and Virtual Boy and uh, Atari's version of E.T., uh, the Hindenburg, uh, attacking <laughs> Russia in the winter, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Challenger. It, not well. Not well. I think personally that there are two paths ahead you can go by neither of those paths are wild runaway success one of those paths are the one you just described and the other path is carving a niche holding the niche and serving that group you know there's it's becoming a crowded marketplace for tablets you like your kindle fire a lot there is you know i now have an ipad too thanks to work that I am using, but not using, you know, tremendously. It's just it's there as another screen same, that I can do some stuff the same on. Same way I'm using my Kindle. Yeah. So now we have this other thing that's entering and already beginning, you know, already growing and crowding up quickly marketplace. If they can show by the time that they are ready, you know, to mm. say, here's the price, here it is, go pre-order it, which is going to be a few months after Windows 8 launches this fall then they need to be able to show this is what it does that you can't get anywhere else. And if they cannot do that, you're going down path A. If you come along and you show me, here's all the advantages you're going to get for it. Are you an Xbox 360 user or an Xbox Live user? You're going to get a hell of a lot of uses out of this thing. Do you like using you know, Windows as opposed to Safari or iOS? Then you're going to love using this. It's going to integrate even better to what you're already using. Because while there are a ton of people that have iStuff, there are not a ton of people that are Mac people. Right. So if they can get that going, mm-hmm. then maybe you see path B. But they're gonna have they have a lot of work that they still they have still a lot of work. Absolutely. Ahead. And I think path the problem with path B, like you said before, and neither one of these are, you know, are are paths to great riches. Neither one of these are gonna take you to El Dorado. Path B is, I think the best case scenario of them essentially firing a shot in the, okay, we're going to acknowledge there is a PC Mac war or was in the nineties. And we want to cater to people who care about who, who have computers and use computers. I'm using a windows machine right now. They could conceivably come up with cool stuff that you can only do with the surface. That's going to integrate with my windows machine the problem being the the reason this isn't going to be a slam dunk it's not going to be a shooting star for microsoft is that base of consumers is not the base of consumers that apple plugs they created apple is their marketing is genius what they have come up with is genius and i don't own an apple anything i am not an apple fanboy i don't like apple products Overall, because I see them as being extremely proprietary and you're paying Apple for the privilege of paying Apple for other services you can get elsewhere, either cheaper or completely free. That being said, what Apple has done with their entire marketplace is genius because they didn't go and serve a need. They created a need and then served it instantly. That's why you can't compete with Apple because you're not going to get the people who are not tech savvy. You're not going to get the people who people who I know people who have iPhones and iPod and iPad who don't give a shit about technology. That's like trying to get somebody who's allergic to apples to buy apples and apple juice and applesauce and keep a stock and supply of them constantly. If you're an apple farmer, grower, orchard owner, it's impossible to do. But Apple did it. And that's why you can't really that's why you can't really play the game. I'm I'm interested to see what they'll come out with as far as information next. I will say this from what we've seen so far, the surface video with the stupid industrial music and, you know, touching the face of God, uh, because there's a little kickstand on the back of their machine. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they're trying to they're 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 attempting that fool's errand of creating an Apple here we go. Are you ready for this? An Apple identity. And they're not going to do it. 
Uh Ah, see? See how I did that? Uh No one's ever done that before. I'm sure people have done that a lot of times. Anyway, we're finished with the surface. Really, go watch this video. You will laugh out loud. The 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 music that sounds like it should be from a German porno, the the music cues every time something big air quotes cool happens. It's it's all very it's it's a lot of fun. Go watch it a couple times and uh, get a nice smirk out of it. <laughs> anyway, I mentioned three trailers that were released this week, all three of which we want to talk about um, going in order of coolness, in my opinion, and Russell can disagree, uh, but I will shout him down, I assure you. Uh, let's start with Taken 2. Agreed. Taken 2. Uh, Love Taken. Liam Neeson yes. kills everybody. The alternate name yes. the alternate name for the movie. Liam Neeson kills every single body. Um, Taken 2 is interesting. I'm going to link the trailer in the podcast. Russell, first impressions from the Taken 2 trailer. My first impression was that it's samey. Yes. Actually, no, no, I take that back. My extreme first impression was this looks like it's going to be awesome because that first impression came at the, at the, you know, premise introducing right. uh, burial at the right. beginning. Which, which that, they did I was well, like, because the first yes. question, we were playing D&D uh, the other day, I said, hey, the trailer for Taken 2 is out, and the first question that Macy posed was, I thought Liam Neeson already killed everybody, who's he killing now? And the answer yeah. is, he's killing the family of the people that he killed before, which is brilliant. Yep. That's how you have his character, Brian Mills, and he is not, he's the target. Because of all the shit he did in Taken 1. If you ever went, and if you ever watched Taken 1 and you thought, this is insane, he would get in ridiculous amounts of trouble for doing this, that's what they've answered in, exactly, that's what they've answered in <laughs> Taken 2, which I really like, because he did all the stuff in Taken 1, fabulous movie, love Taken, he did all the stuff in Taken 1 to get his daughter back. What happens, it's not a, because I know when they were talking about there being taken to the early, uh, the early reports and the early, we think this is what the movie's going to be about, was that little, that little pop star that he was going to work with. Yeah. The reports were that it was going to, at the beginning of the movie, was going to show he's gotten this really close relationship with this pop star, and then she's kidnapped, and he essentially goes on and does Taken 2, Electric Boogaloo, does the entire same thing. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, where's my daughter? It's, where's Britney Spears? And yeah. that's not what they did. Brilliantly, they've brought him in, and it's like the flip side of the coin. Yeah, sure, Brian Mills, you killed fucking everybody in the first movie, all of those people, all of those uh, gangsters, I want to say they were Albanian, but he's in Turkey yeah. in this movie. So all of those, I'm going to go and call them Albanian, I'm probably wrong. All of those Albanian gangsters, they were gangsters, and there's a lot more that you didn't kill, and now they're pissed at you and they're going to kill you. Which is great. Because, you know, because if anything, Taken is about family. It is. It's about family. It's about, uh, on the f- and we'll get to the phone in a minute, because the phone is the one part about the trailer that really let me down. Yeah. When I saw the trailer come up and I saw Taken 2, I'm like, yes. That was my very first reaction is, hell yeah, Taken. Love Taken. It's one of two uh, Blu-rays that I own, uh, just to show you how much I I really enjoyed Taken. Because A, love Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson could do no wrong, uh, except for Clash of the Titans. B, uh, it was was just awesome. It was a great movie. I've watched it many times and enjoyed it every single time. My second thought was, God, please don't let them do the phone thing. The, yeah. fir- the trailer for because, the, the trailer for the first movie yes. really famous yeah. for I will find you I will you know I will find you I will kill you and he tells his daughter I have a certain set exactly of skills, skills that have prepared me to hunt you it's yeah, awesome, yeah yeah because it's awesome and the first trailer the first trailer was the phone right. call it was the whole phone right. call so it was the focal point exactly. of the movie that and it was awesome and that was when the first trailer came out uh, Russell and I were still working at the same TV station at the same time and it was like oh my god dude you have to see Liam Neeson kills everybody because that's yes. the name of this movie Liam Neeson kills everybody it sets up for the the daughter kidnapping and then the father going to France and fucking annihilating every Albanian that he sees which makes for an awesome movie then this movie comes along so my second thought was I really hope they don't do a phone thing and they do the phone thing. They do the phone thing, and they don't even do it well. They, they didn't do it anywhere near as well as the first one. It's just because he has he has the girl's mother. Apparently, they're back together. 
Yeah, or, or, or something, something along or just lines. visiting who knows either way the girl's mother and the girl are there and of course because these guys are coming after him they go after right. the daughter and the wife and they kidnap the wife and he's on the phone saying your mother's about to be taken and i was just like oh, oh yeah. god That's, that no. is the that is the the worst moment in the trailer is when he he essentially rehashes what came before with the phone call which became famous i mean there have been parodies of it done and 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 right, it's a right. good movie from the original film but to redo it so yeah. specifically you just you, you got to let that you go. right just you had an awesome half court shot don't take the same no. shot again. Do something else. Do something else that's awesome. If you want another Liam Neeson soliloquy to really just shake people, then come up with something new. Don't give us taken to phone call to because it's that's stupid. Just... And he's sitting there and there's a guy with a with a gun on his mom and he's on the phone and he's like, your mother's going to be taken and then they're going to take you. And I just really... Now, here's the thing. I actually did come up with something new that they could have done there, which could have kept the phone thing in, and it would have been better, arguably, would have been awesome. Well, I have to hear this. When I first saw that there was a Taken 2 trailer, uh, it was it was reblogged by The Mary Sue, which is a fantastic blog that you should read if you like geeky things and are interested in a feminist point of view on geeky things. And one of the things that they said was that it would have been awesome if... Liam Neeson got taken and the movie was about the daughter trying to get him back. And then I stopped and thought about it and said, after watching the trailer, you know, they could have done the phone thing separately, completely differently where she's there. And he's like, your mother's taken. They're coming after you. Remember the skills that I taught you skills to run skills to hide skills to hunt them down. And she just turns around and starts kicking ass. And you realize, oh, what is a father who knows his skills going to do after his daughter is, you know, horrendously kidnapped? Teach her not to get kidnapped right. again. And what happens to the people that kidnap you? You kick their asses. And then it's father and daughter bonding time as they continue to kill everyone that's left from the first movie all the way to find mom right. again. You know, that has, I think, some merit. I, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I will say that it looks like from just the age of the daughter that not a lot of time has passed. And yeah. and part of the charm of the first movie is the, the dad kind of, he's Liam Neeson plays this very protective. He's extremely right. He's extremely protective, but at the same time, he doesn't seem dangerous. That's why the phone call in the first movie is so interesting because you know yeah. that he's done some shit, you know, that he's got some friends and yeah. and they do the whole protection of the pop starlet and all that. They they do all that. But he's kind of a he, he's kind of a lame dad at the beginning. And you know, he, yeah, she's shielded from him. right, which which he's done. And then he does this phone call, and you get the sense of you know he's not gonna go all Charles Bronson on them and just go and really dirty, really gritty hunt these people down and and kill them just you know, bare bones and unskilled and untactically and, and just like, he's not going to be a mad dad. It's not a mad dad movie. It's a mad mm. former CIA operative with years and years and years and years of experience under his belt and an extreme. It's going to be surgical. right. It's going to be extremely surgical. It's going to be pinpoint, which is why I think that goes a little bit, because if he teaches his daughter in six months to kill all the Albanians, it's a little hard to get together. Um, yeah, well, I just thought that would have made a, that would have made a very that, it would have been, it definitely would have been very very interesting. I think they there, could potentially have done it least, well. Yeah, and, and at least there are some indications that she's going to be on the run with him, trying to help stay a step right. ahead of them and find them all. Because there are shots, I believe, of like her driving a taxi while he's spinning out and you right. know, firing out the window whilst spinning in a circle, that kind right. of thing. So they could be doing some stuff like that, just not as, which may, which I would think would be the best way to take the movie. Would not be, mm -hmm. not necessarily be she becomes teenage Rambo, but you know, he's, he's shown her some things and she refuses not to be involved, at least to a certain degree. They never show her being, being taken, which I think is good because her taken again. Yeah. Uh, 
That'd be right. Then she serves. She really serves no purpose. She's the Maltese right. Falcon of the of the Taken series. Mm-hmm. It's how can we uh-huh. get Liam Neeson? How can we put as many Albanian terrorists between Liam Neeson and the Maltese Falcon as possible and let him mow through them? So I think yes. you'll have a little father daughter blood bonding time, which will be interesting. Um, as far as how good this movie will be, looks neat, looks action packed. I'd say it's probably not going to be as good as Taken was. I don't think there's any any doubt in anybody's mind that it will not be as good as Taken was just because, you know, like rehashing the phone thing. And it's to me, it's a clear indication of them really trying to cash in on the popularity of Taken and not trying to create like a Taken franchise like they did with the with the Bourne stuff. You Mm -hmm. can you can really find a lot of parallels between Taken and Born. The difference between the Born trilogy or quadrilogy, isn't there like a new one coming out? Like Born um, polyhedrally? I don't know. I think it's Born Legacy. Born Retribution? <laughs> Born something. Anyway, with all the Born movies, they did different stuff. And they mm-hmm. continued on with, well, the same story, a little different story every time, which made the Bourne movies pretty they, – they stand on their own pretty well. There's not a terrible yeah. Bourne movie. And yeah. they don't really go down in quality. It's just a different movie. Yeah, Bourne Legacy with Jeremy Renner, Ed Norton, ooh. and ooh, Rachel Weisz. Huh. I'm going to have to see that for Rachel Weisz alone because – Oh, Rachel okay. Vice just I'm down. Mm. You're married. Um anyway, Taken 2 probably not going to be as good as Taken, but I'm definitely going to go ahead and see it. Um trailer number 2 that we need to talk about. Yes. Um you know what, Russell? Take it away. Trailer number 2 is Dread. Or depending on where you're looking at, Dread 3D. Right. The reboot of Judge Dread. Carl Urban dons the helmet. The in my opinion overly large helmet in this case and goes in with a rookie to try to take down these drug dealers peddling something called slow-mo that makes everyone uh feel like you're in slow motion which in all yeah okay russell give me your general take just because i want people to know where we are with this movie russell give me your general take on dread my dread overall or this trailer i mean just because from what you know of the movie so far okay I didn't realize that they were actually doing a reboot until someone posted this on Twitter. So I went and I checked it out and I clicked on it and I was a little WTF kind of watching the whole right. thing because I kind of like, I liked, let's be honest, Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. and, you know, the big ass Paul right. and the whole, um, I am the law. The law. I am the law. It went on for twenty pages. <laughs> well, I'm gonna link. I'm gonna link the Onion article. There's an Onion article with this, or there's an Onion video. I'm sorry, the Supreme Court justices, and it it references Judge Dredd. Look for that in the podcast page. It's uh, hella fucking balls to the wall, awesome. But that's just it. The whole, you know, that movie was cheese tastic, over the top, very, very, you know, it, it was it was good and campy. And what I expected from, you know, this kind of an action comic book movie. What I got out of Dread after watching it was it looks like they took the first third of Robocop, the first one, Mm -hmm. stuck the helmet on Murphy, and that was it. I mean, the costumes were a little kind of meh. They were very... They were very motorcycle cop-ish because you see them on the motorcycles. And the motorcycles are iconic. Don't get me wrong. But they were nowhere near as over the top as the comics or the original, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone movie. This was very dark and gritty, um, uh... kind of modernish. Well, let's put it this way: everything was dirty. That's well, I don't think I think I don't think that the uh, the rookie cop that they have going around with him, you know, I don't I think she was covered in like an inch of dirt and grime the entire time. But uh, okay, your your overall plus or minus. Are you looking forward to dread? Are you dreading dread? I I would say definitely dreading. It's not something that I would would count on. You know, something that I'm definitely going to go see because it's right right up my alley. It's it's something that I am initially going to pass on 
at this point. Right. Just because of various factors involved. You know, there there is a legacy to it because it's a comic movie. The whole premise, the whole setup, I would argue the trailer, that, it just doesn't I would do argue that this is no longer a comic movie. It's a movie movie. It's yeah. it's it's a movie made. Okay, this was my response to Dread. You could not pack more cliches in this movie than are already packed in this movie, because just just physics don't allow you to do that. He says, "I'm judge, jury, and executioner." He's gone to the Christian Bale school of making yourself sound like a fucking idiot when you put on a mask. Mm-hmm. My one mm-hmm. complaint about all of the Batman Begins trilogy movies is why the fuck does he have to talk like he's just gargling on a cement penis why (laughs) why why does he have to change his voice it makes no sense he's talking in a very dread is talking in a very strange just uh, i i could not this trailer to me is the absolute worst way to do any sort of a movie. It's just packed with, and just down to the premise. The overall premise is in the future, this city has been ravaged by this drug that people are getting addicted to and they take it and it makes, it makes the world slow down around them. And that's why they like it. You know why the drug does that? So you can take your camera and shoot everything in slow motion and have really cool visuals with absolutely no effort whatsoever, and that is the effect of the drug. Instead of making the drug a part of the movie and why we have to combat this whole thing, they just make it something that allows them to do cool visuals. And it's not it's a trope. It's a trope for the visuals. It's not an right. actual... Right. I mean... Riddle me this, Batman. Uh, Why would you give a fuck about a bunch of stoners sitting around and essentially smoking super slow down pot? Who are they hurting? What are they doing? They literally can't do anything. It doesn't make you move faster (laughs) when time is slowed down. He's going to they're saying he's going to go and he's going to kill an entire uh, city full of people who are on this drug. That's going to be real fucking difficult. (laughs) They see everything in slow motion. They don't react any fast. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. It's a movie that it seems like its sole purpose is to have neat visuals. It's very. It's it's I just. I hate it. It's very transformery. <laughs> it's very Michael Bay. Also, uh, note the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that we talked about podcasts and podcasts yeah. ago. Not yeah. happening. Yes. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Alien Turtles. Not happening. Um, speaking of Michael Bay, didn't they say the script was absolutely yeah? Crap yeah. Which which goes it. to which goes to uh, to beg. I mean that that makes you ask the question. I will not. I refuse to misuse the phrase. Begs the question. It makes you ask the question of yourself. Could there be a script that exists that's too bad for Michael Bay to make a movie out of? I yeah. submit that there is not. I submit that that is a lie. That's essentially like saying, "Well, we were gonna do the movie, but we had it on, uh, we had it on our Microsoft Surface, and the dog ate our Surface. So what can you do? It was tasty. The keyboard was brown. He thought it was dog kibble. It was incredible, and he ate it all in one bite. Uh, anyway, back to Dread. Uh, I could not, yeah. could not dislike this movie more. Um, it's it's very you know it's all cle- it's just full of cliches. At one point he looks at her, he goes, "Are you ready?" And she kind of says something, and he goes, "You look like you're ready." It makes me want to hurt people, specifically everyone who's made this movie, and maybe Sylvester Stallone. Um, I I I like the first Judge Dredd movie. I, I played Judge Dredd on Sega Game Gear. Mm-hmm. That's hardcore. No, I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. the first Judge Dredd movie. I thought it was good. It was campy, space, prisoner, Sylvester Stallone, Rambo on a, you know, it's basically Rambo meets Pitch Black, which I didn't I didn't hate. I, I really didn't hate. I liked the judge, you know, motif that they had going on and whatever. And I think they could have made an interesting Dredd. 
this is not it. And I doubt we'll see yeah. Dread 2. Uh, this is the sort of movie I think that will probably be really, really hyped up until it's released. Uh, it's released 921. It'll be really hyped the few first few weeks before it's released. It will debut, be third behind some kids movie, and then another movie that people actually want to watch. And then you'll never hear anything about it again. And late night talk show hosts will be making fun of it. Okay. That's what I think. Yep. Which brings us to... Dungeons & Dragons Book of Wild Darkness. Right. Number three in our countdown, our impromptu countdown of uh, three trailers that came out this weekend that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons Book of Wild Darkness. Now, there have been, to date, two Dungeons & Dragons movies made. There was the original Dungeons & Dragons movie, which was released in the year 2000. And it starred Marlon Wayans and Jeremy Irons and Thora Birch, and it was called Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you've probably heard of it. It was not well received. Then there was another Dungeons and Dragons movie that was released that you might not have heard of that was called Wrath of the Dragon God. It was made for TV. It had a very, very small budget, $12 million, and uh, it was released on TV, and then on DVD. They're now making a third one. Now, you might ask yourself, self, the first D&D movie did not do well. The second D&D movie, the first D&D movie has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 10%. Um, the second D&D movie I didn't even know existed. Why in the name of God would they decide to spend another $12 million making another D&D movie, uh, The Book of Vile Darkness? My answer to that is, I have no clue. I don't know. Hmm. Um, yeah, I just don't understand why they would create this, why they would do this movie. And I remember whenever they were marketing this, um, you know, because I heard that it was being filmed in Louisiana. I heard, and, and actually just sent something in on a lark to the Wizards of the Coast contest where you could create a character and send in a little description of that character. And if they chose you, you got to play that character as an extra in the movie. And I kind of want to wait and see which weird kind of sore thumb extra is in there and think, <laughs> oh, spot the nerd. Here's the problem with sore thumb extras. And in, in, Dungeons and & Dragons, the original film, was – it was – medium budget 45 million dollars it looks eh, it doesn't look great but it's it was medium budget 45 million dollars in 2000 uh wrath of the dragon god was five years later 12 million dollars now the difference being dungeons and dragons the film was released in the theaters and when you went to the theaters and you watched it it wasn't a good movie but it still had that looks like it's in a theater look to it it wasn't special effects wise really super far below what else was playing in in theaters into in 2000 wrath of the dragon god on the other hand looks like something you would get from a sci-fi movie it's not quite as bad as sharktopus or piranaconda which is the new one i can't believe i know that um it's not quite that bad but it's not great. CGI-wise, it looks just about a step above the CGI in Army of Darkness. Yeah, and that was released in pretty, 1992. It's pretty bad. I mean, there was one There was one kind of alright effect where they actually blew the guy to pieces. Oh no, I'm talking word. about That'll Wrath probably... of the Dragon God. I'm not even talking oh. about Book of Vile Darkness. Book of Vile Darkness Ugh. looks maybe a step above that, but we still haven't left the mid-90s as far as CGI is concerned, which you can't do on the, the kind of budget that they're working with. Now, your your question is, why would we make these movies? I said I don't know. Now, I've always defended Dungeons & Dragons, the original movie. It sucked, but I've defended it. Here's why. In the year 2000, D&D had been a little dormant as far as popular culture is concerned, and they decided to make a movie out of it. You couldn't make a good D&D movie because mm -hmm. D&D still had that stereotype of that, you know, the, the stereotype, the, the Satanists and causes kids to kill each other stereotype, the mazes and monsters stereotype. Maze of Monsters, a movie starring Tom Hanks where he gets sucked into Dungeons and Dragons and ends up killing people. A terrible movie. Uh, I own it on DVD. Uh, 
it's it still had that sort of stereotype. So Dungeons and Dragons, the original movie, I would argue could not have been done well to make a good movie because there would have been problems because of the subject matter. So they kind of had to do a campy, goofy sort of movie, which is what we got with Dungeons and Dragons, the 2000 version. Yeah. Um, it was not a good movie. It just wasn't. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't a good movie. But at the same time, I've defended it by saying they could not have done a... While they might have been able to do a slightly better movie, they couldn't have done a much better movie. I would be of the... I'm of the opinion that they shouldn't have made a D&D movie. I think they could have made it like a Forgotten Realms movie. Don't attach D&D to it and try and make a decent movie. Because you can't really attach D&D to it. But when you make the when you make Dungeons & Dragons, you make that sort of campy, silly movie, you could make other movies after that. The movies they made after that were terrible. The movies they made after that were terrible. I don't know why they continued to make them. Wrath of the Dragon yeah. God was... I mean, and I've seen these movies. And they're not unwatchable. Wrath of, the, Wrath of the Dragon God is good, if only because they reference a lot of other D&D stuff. I mean, they reference um, they reference a lot of old modules on the DVD uh, commentary. The commentary is actually done by the characters from the PHB, Lydda and Josen, and it's done by them talking about the the what's going on on the movie on on air Gary Gygax had an interview and he actually gave you the levels and everything of all of the characters mm -hmm. in the movie mm -hmm. really interesting stuff if you're a and d nerd it's enjoyable if you're a and d guy if you're not a and d guy you're not gonna like it so yeah. okay you make that one movie for the and d guys and it, it doesn't why would you do book of vile darkness I, I don't understand why they would make this movie. But you know what? Truth be told, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I, I'm going to watch it. It's not going to be good. I don't expect it to be good. But I'm going to watch it. Because it's D&D. &D, you know? So, filmmakers, if you were hoping to get the hardcore D&D &D crowd, if you consider me the hardcore D&D &D crowd, I'll watch it. I won't spend a whole lot of money to watch it. But I'll watch it. Because, man, why not? And I've seen the other ones. <laughs> so... It's not going to be great, but what can yep. you do? You know? <sighs> I just, I, I'm not going to be able to bring myself to watch it because I haven't watched the other two. No. And I still have no real desire to. And looking at this one, just the the amount that I've seen in the yeah. trailer. Oh. And that's not, I mean, that's pretty much, oh. I mean, that's pretty much par for what you're going to get with the movie. I mean, nothing in that trailer was any better or worse than what, what you saw in... Wrath of the Dragon God. Even if this were, you know, what it is, which is a, you know, million dollar sci-fi channel special. Right. Uh, or Seafy special, whatever you want to say. Sci-fi. It's just embarrassingly bad to look at. And it is. is, you know, it's one of those you watch it and you think you you start to question your own hobby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and here's my okay. We have about five minutes. This is what I want us to do. How do you do a good D and D movie, assuming you have twelve million dollars? Here's the first thing you do. Okay, here's yeah. how you make it. Here's how you. Here's how you increase the goodness quotient ten times. You go to your producer and you sit him down and you say, "Listen, it's called Dungeons and Dragons. We realize that." That doesn't mean you have to have both Dungeons and Dragons in the movie. And and take time and explain to him that it's called Dungeons and Dragons. That doesn't mean we have to have Dungeons and Dragons in the movie. Because this is the sort of movie you don't want to have dragons in. Because dragons are need to be fully rendered, 3D, and you don't have that kind of budget. No dragons in Dungeons and Dragons movie. Seems a little counterintuitive, but then again, not really. Because you don't, there are not always dragons in D and D games. There just aren't. They're iconic monsters. They happen to be in the name. It could be, you know, Bahamut and Beholder for all, you know, for for all that's concerned. There don't. But hell, look at look at Game of Thrones. I mean, well, you didn't have you didn't have well, hold on. you didn't have Dragon One until the end of the first season. Right. But until that point, you still had dragons that were in the world. You had people that you know 
called themselves, you know, Spawn of Dragons. You had eggs. You had other things that were, you know, nods and winks and nudges right, towards dragons, dragons. But you don't ever actually see them. Exactly. You know, you can do those kind of things. You can have a, a cults of a Shardalon. Right. You can have former caverns with, you know, huge ass claw rakes against the wall. And you go, holy shit, how big were those things? You can do those kind of things. And at the same time, there have been what you could say. I mean, we, we've said this. What are good D&D movies, even though they're not D&D brand movies? Uh-huh. How to Train Your Dragon. In my opinion, Dragonheart. You know? Uh-huh. Um, you know, you can make those sort of D&D movies. If you're trying to make a real, you know, game session D&D movie, you really need to s- stick with references and avoid a lot of really expensive CG that you can't afford. Right. And here's how I would do it. You make it almost a little bit of fantastic realism, but you also, you know, make it a comedy and you acknowledge back and forth there are two worlds. There are people sitting around a table rolling uh-huh. dice, and then there's the other world where what they decide yeah. to do comes to an end. I don't know. I think that's you, almost you a flash back and forth between I think the two. that's almost a completely different movie. I think you can genuinely do a D&D movie that takes D&D stuff that happens. Like if we were playing a game, you can make an action movie out of D&D. You just can't do it with some of the fantastic creatures if you've got that sort of a budget. You can do a D&D make a D&D movie and fight a lich. That's classic, and a lich isn't yeah. going to set you back b- millions of dollars. You know, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones had dragons in it, right? Think mm-hmm. of all of the uh, think of all of the special effects you saw in Game of Thrones season one. That cost HBO sixty million dollars. That's four times the budget for Dungeons and Dragons: Book of Vile Darkness. Then yeah. for season two, they upped their budget by twenty percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's how much it costs. If you don't have that sort of movie, do the movie. Don't try and do don't try and write a movie and then look at what your budget is and then do the movie that you wrote, not, you know, not write the movie to your budget. If you want to do a low budget D&D movie, then your group of adventurers needs to go after uh, a rogue wizard or something that is not going to require a whole lot of CGI. Spend that money in costumes and training really focus on badass fight scenes and, you know, middle ages or fantasy fiction-y type stuff and, you know, make your magic not really super flashy, make it a lot more, you know, low-key, you know, do it with a little bit, for instance, go watch very, very, very low-budget, internet-only web series that was originally released on Channel 101 called Sock Baby. Sock Baby is... A, hilarious, every female within a 30-mile radius just disagreed with me. Sock Baby is hilarious. (laughs) I don't care what you say. Sock Baby is hilarious. Yes, I'm talking to you, the person listening to this and disagreeing with me who's seen Sock Baby. You know who you are. Um, Sock Baby is hilarious. And the fight scenes are really great. And they spent no money because they had training-based. You can do these things for these budgets, but you have to do the movie that your budget allows you to do. That's the problem with Dungeons & Dragons Book of Vile Darkness. And I I will probably rent it when it comes out on DVD or, you know, watch it when it comes out on Netflix or Amazon Prime. I'll watch it somehow. I won't watch it with anybody else. I'll watch it. I'll be meh, and then it'll be done. But at the same time, I still submit that you could do a good D&D movie if if you worked on a really good story. And you stayed within your means. You don't necessarily have to do a comedy about, you know, people playing and rolling dice and all that. But you have to stay within your means. Otherwise, you're never going to do anything that anyone pays any attention to. Word. So, anyway, that's uh, about all the time that we have for today. As always, our music is Opprop, featuring Esset. If you want to hear more, check them out on uhort.no. If you haven't, if you'd like to shoot trailers our way that you'd like our opinion on, do that via Twitter. We are at GIR Podcast. You can also shoot us an email, GIRPodcast at gmail.com. For Russell Jones, this is Jeremy Pappas. Thanks for listening. Sham, bam, bam.